You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and today I'm talking to Jeff Bajoric, and we're going to be talking about rethinking the way that you sell. The current state of affairs have really been making a lot of us, including myself, really rethink the way that we approach selling and prospecting. And what you were doing a couple months ago probably isn't working for you as well as it did. And one of the things that I'm really excited to talk about and for you to listen to uh, with my friend Jeff Bajoric here is his whole mantra is rethinking the way you sell, which I love. And we're going to spend the whole time talking about that today. In particular, there's some really interesting perspectives that Jeff has. And I have to give him a ton of credit here because he's really opened my mind to you know, not only rethinking the way that I sell and approach this, but also taking a step back and looking about, you know, how important community is and being connected with other people that do what you do. And he's really a person that got me, I guess, to take more serious connecting with other sales trainers and consultants and people that do what I do. So I got to give you credit for that, Jeff. Um, And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is a mindset shift from what can I sell to what do my prospects need? That's a really interesting perspective of looking at what do your prospects need right now and your job is to help them with what they need. We're gonna talk about why being positive is not going to help you right now. And one of the big things that we're gonna talk about is this whole concept of rethinking the way that you sell and how he is looking at his approach, how he's um, advising his clients and that sort of stuff. So I'm really excited for you to listen to the conversation. Make sure to check out the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast for a link to connect with Jeff. I highly, highly recommend checking out his podcast, The Why and the Buy. It's my favorite sales podcast. It's the one I always look forward to when new episodes come out. So make sure to check that out, blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast, and let's get into the interview. So we, uh, you were the first person I thought of calling when I when all the shenanigans kind of started happening, right? Cause we, we had just launched a podcast. Uh, so the Friday before the Monday where this kind of all went public in the United States around the, you know, coronavirus, you know, type of stuff. And uh, you're the first person I thought about calling. Cause I was like, Hey, I need to talk to other sales trainers <laughs> and I need to know what they're going to do. And the advice you gave me, I thought was really good. And, and it was basically that, like you need to be a, a leader and step up and particularly with your clients, you need to see how you can help them help each other. Yeah. I thought that was really good advice, but what was, what was going through your head, man? Oh man. Uh, that I think there's, there's two, two different realities that we have to face. And, and that is if, if, to just lay it all out there. These are the two realities that I think everybody faces. I think it's easier for some than for others. And even though it's easier for some than for others, it's still very difficult. And the one reality is that your customers need you to be something different right now, perhaps, than your average prospect that you're just picking up the phone and calling. And this isn't just about not appearing tone deaf and, you know, let, let's just, let, like, do you live under a rock? Like, no, I, I don't need email addresses right now. Like, I, I need to figure out how to, 
you know, circle the wagons and, and keep my business in line. So there's, there's the reality of that. You, the, it's, it's not that you just don't want to appear tone deaf, but you have to recognize that you may need to provide something else to your customers because you need to get them what they need. Right. So that's, the, there's, there's that. So they need something different from you. The other reality is it's still really weird out there. There, there's still this is still a situation we've never seen before. Certainly, you and I have never lived through before, and like, who knows how the best way to react is? Nobody has those answers. So, from that standpoint, you're you're you have to move forward confidently, not knowing whether or not the rug's going to be pulled out from underneath you you know, in the next day, week, month. And so it's really scary. And um, I think just because you know the right things to do and just because um, you can even execute on some of those right things to do, that doesn't mean that it isn't still really weird, that you still aren't a little unsettled, that you still aren't a little anxious, that there still isn't just this low-level buzz where, you know, you can meet your friends for a, a virtual beer or uh, just a virtual meet and greet or, or, you know, kind of reconnect like you would in person. And yeah, everything's good. And all right, if I, if I do the math and make sure my finances and everything are in order, we're going to be okay. But it still doesn't change the fact that it's really weird out there and that you can give yourself a little grace and a little permission to yeah. acknowledge that. So you brought up a lot of things there and, and <laughs> well, you let me talk and that, and that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned that you have a keg in your office. Uh, well, it's not this. in the office. It's across from the office, but I live in my house. So I guess it's, it's always within reach. Or I work um, in my house. So one thing I'm seeing a lot right now that I actually just disagree with so much and cannot stand is this be positive movement right now. Mm. And what I have experienced going through therapy mm-hmm. and it's still, still going to therapy sure. and in doing a lot of reading just behind psychology and, and particularly empathy is I think that be positive can be very dangerous. I'm not saying you should do the opposite and be negative though. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying you should be cynical and overly negative, but if all you can say to someone when they're like down in the dumps, like you have reps and they're worried about, losing their job and all you can say is be positive. I think that's incredibly (laughs) insensitive because you're not acknowledging the fact that they have a legitimate fear and concern right now. And so what, let's start with that Mm. because I see a lot of this right now. It's like, Hey, be positive, keep your head up. We'll get through this. And I, that for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, I don't think that that's helpful right now. It's, it's not be positive for the sake of being positive, being positive or saying be positive for the sake of saying something. Look at the bright side. Oh, there's always silver lining. Like, no, hold on. We've never seen anything like this before. You know that there is, you know, that we'll make it through. You got to know that we'll make it through. Life will not look the same way it does on the other side of this as it does right now, but that change is coming. And so we need to be okay with the fact that that change is coming. My approach to be positive and and what I just empirically just talking to you, like I get together, I get on the phone with you. I feel better when I'm done because you and I work on and focus on what we can do in the current circumstances. Uh, I get on the phone with other people who do what we do, or even just clients and, and executives for companies that I'm working with. 
they're, it's like, okay, well, this is closing or all these non-essential businesses are closing. So that's going to impact this. It's like, okay, well, we need to shift over to this. You and I talked about shifting over to some online platforms that we're both working on right now, right? And that's getting, you know, I always had the plan to launch by the end of Q1 anyway. So I pressed go on that because it was the deadline. It was going to happen whether this happened or not. But um, focusing on what you can do puts me in a creative space. It puts me in a forward thinking space. I start to think in terms of what becomes possible. That inherently becomes positive because I'm, I'm seeing into the future and, and looking ahead. But it's a far cry from just look at the bright side. Don't be negative. Like I totally agree with you that it's, it's tone deaf, but you can end up there you mean, so if you're, if you're focusing on the right things, you can end up in a positive space, but that's far different than just being positive. So I love what you're, 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 yeah. you're telling people in the, it's almost borderline delusional, dude. It, it like, is when it, you it, pretend that things well. are positive, you don't, you're not acknowledging that dude, uh, in our space right now, and this is why I wanted to talk to you about this is I think people should hear it, what it's like from a salesperson's perspective too. Everyone keeps talking about having empathy for their buyers and their prospects, mm-hmm. which is super important. Mm-hmm. But what about for salespeople that their jobs are at stake? What about people like us that train salespeople legitimately, dude, in our business to be candid, if we don't figure out a different way to serve customers and this continues for the next three to six months, we might not really have a business anymore because everyone is kind of on pause right now because they're not really certain what to do. You know what I mean? And not all of our customers are on pause. A lot of them are because we're advising that you need to keep prospecting. That's mm-hmm. a conversation I had with actually uh, Larry and Daryl over on their podcast earlier, uh, yeah. Selling from the Heart, which you need to subscribe to if you're That's not. A good one. Um, they had a great podcast. Um, but it's like, yeah, you need to continue prospecting. But there are some people that you can walk them through the logical reasons of why they should continue doing that. But there's a lot of fear and uncertainty with doing that and it makes people really indecisive. But how are you how are you feeling about stuff right now, man? I feel like well, aside from my personal feelings about how this situation has been handled by everybody. Yeah. Um, we'll leave that alone for another podcast. That can be bonus material. That can be for, you know, your online community <laughs> or something. Um, cuz I got all kinds of feelings about that. Um, when I think about guys like you and me who are good at what we do and the need for people like us because other people need what we do. I think we're going to be okay. Um, I think it could get interesting over the next few months. Right. Um, But I'm prepared for that. And you're very optimistic, by the way, I think I thought I was optimistic. I think you're very optimistic about uh, how quickly we will get through this man. You know, what are your, well, what are you, what's your, what's your take on that? What's get through this look like? Um, are we going to deal with this? Is this going to be in the headlines for the next year at least? Yep. Yeah. I'm there. Yep. I get it. Um, will we have some sort of control? Will we have some sort of intervention? Will we have stuff that comes up in the meantime? Uh, yes, we will. Um, will we be quarantined inside our houses for the next six months? No. We won't. Yeah, I, I mean, that would just be mass hysteria I I, if the, that the, happened. You, we, um, we get, and we got bigger problems, right? Yeah. If that's the case, right? So yeah. um, I, I think, you know, w- w- my optimism ends 
or, or yeah, my, my optimism ends when we, when it gets to the point where it's like, oh man, if, if this, if we stayed locked in our houses for six months, we'd have some really big issues there. Um, but so at that point, once we get bigger problems, I I don't even see that far ahead, but I'm betting on me. I'm betting on you because let's say the worst case uh, scenario happens and it all just resets to zero. I'll take you, your work ethic, your talents, your skills, and I'll put them up there against anybody's. Well, that's the thing. Anthony Iannarino, uh, he wrote about, which I've never talked to him. You're friends with him. I'm jealous. But uh, his, uh, I read his blog though every every time, every day that it comes yeah. out. And he talked about something I thought was really interesting where all the stuff you just mentioned, he's like, that's what they can't, that's what this economy or this coronavirus can't take away from you. Mm-hmm. Dude, people are still need, need, going to need to sell and prospect after this, man. And if you are a salesperson and you were good at what you do, uh, you might not be needed right this second, but you will be in a couple of weeks because I'm already starting to notice it right now where Last week, people were really uncertain, and they're still uncertain this week, but people are starting to decide, do we go the massive layoff route and just kind of play the easy thing or the safe uh, thing, excuse me, or do we look at this as an an opportunity to get really aggressive because people's attention are just up for grabs right now? That is one of my, that's one of the things that I wrestle with, right? Like I, I, like I said, like, like your skills, your talents, your work ethic, I'll put mine up in the same, in the same area. Right? Absolutely. Like I, I, so, you know, what if I just hit the pause button for two weeks? What, okay. We're, we're at the time of this recording, you know, we've got two and a half weeks where we're, you know, uh, shelter in place here in Michigan. My kids are home. My wife's home. I've got friends who that's the first time because the, the, the daughters don't have dance and the wife doesn't have a bunch of stuff running around. The husband isn't traveling three, four days a week. This is that they're having the time of their lives right now because they literally have no other distractions other than being together. And it's amazing. That's what families are for. And um, I'm getting some pretty good quality time with my kids and my wife. And um, it's kind of in weird times here. And I think some of it will level out as, as we get used to this kind of shelter in place thing. But I'm torn between the, you know, should I be sticking my neck out there? Should I be going further ahead? Should I be pushing or should I be appreciating this, this great pause that we're, we're talking about right now? And um, companies are struggling with the same thing. And how to, long will to, the pause last though? That's well, the thing. I, for us, at least three weeks. Oh, oh so was, you're talking about the pause of the quarantine. Uh, yes. Pause. For, okay. for right now. For right uh, now. Yeah. I, okay. And I don't think it can go a whole lot more. I don't think it can go a whole lot longer than that. But what if it doesn't, you know, what, what if I'm just thinking, I know we're going through a lot of what if scenarios and neither of us are yep. qualified to talk about coronavirus, obviously, or I'm the just economy. a salesman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think kind of what we're going, what we're talking about right now is how to conduct yourself as a salesperson during uncertain times, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As a sales team, as a community. And we've talked about the the mindset piece of it. We're starting to get into, well, what should I actually do? And it sounds like there's a debate that you kind of have right now where it's, you travel a lot, man. You know, so this is like, and you're super busy. So this is time you get to spend and I'm, I'm so glad that you actually get to do that and you're thinking about it. That's one of the reasons why we're such good friends, in my opinion, is that mm-hmm. you're very much, I'll never forget a text you sent me where I complimented you on it, where you're like, hey, dude, just letting you know, got your call, but I haven't seen my wife and kids, you know, very much in the last couple of days and I need to spend some time with them. I'm like, thank you. You know, one for being comfortable saying that, but just like prioritizing what's really important in life, you know? So I think that's a, 
awesome thing to do. And if you have the ability to do that right now, like now is the time uh, for, for anyone affected by this to like really think about what's important too. You, if you've listened to the first 12 minutes of this, you know, recording, you understand and you're probably recognizing that I'm a little bit here and then I'm a little bit there and I'm a little bit over there and, and your questions are doing their best to kind of corral me, but take a stance. God damn it. <laughs> you're th- well, no, 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 it's not even, <laughs> it's not even about taking a stance. It's like, this is like, this is what I love about you, Jason. Every time we talk, I just kind of flip open the top to my brain and shake it out in whatever is there. And that's what we work with. And um, this is where your customers are. This is where your prospects are. Yep. What your prospects you understand your prospects are having the same ambivalence that you are and your prospects feel like they need to get some work done, but they're hesitant to make really big decisions right now. And they need that empathy. This is the, I talk a lot about differentiating when you prospect and if you don't know why you're different and why you're valuable and why that matters, then don't even pick up the phone. Right. But the way you have to be able to pivot and the way that you can differentiate yourself right now is by being brave enough to pick up the phone and not talk about your product. To pick up the phone and say, oh, Jason, how are you doing right now? Like, leave the business bullshit aside right now, if, if you don't mind. Um, you picked up the phone, which means you're probably trying to avoid something else. And I'm calling you because I'm really probably trying to avoid doing something else. But how are you keeping your mindset straight right now? How do you know which way is up? How are you and your family dealing with this? How are you managing, you know, if, if you're talking to business owners, do they stay open or do they close? I've got some medical facilities that are customers and, and they're technically essential, but there's some people that don't know, well, is it, who do we see and who do we not? Do we see the regular patients that come in because we know we can get them better or should we advise them to stay home because this isn't as essential for them as it is for somebody else and we don't want to increase the risk of this transmission? And at the same time, overarching all of that is, well, if they come in, then the doors stay open and the revenue keeps coming in. There are so many conflicting emotions and motivations right now, everybody is uncomfortable. Even the people that are doing well, everybody is uncomfortable. So when you come in, you say, well, and everybody's uncomfortable and everybody wants to talk about it. Yeah. So do you call and then say, Hey, I'd like to sell you whatever commercial real estate or, you know, um, uh, information and, and call data and, and, you know, accurate email addresses and phone numbers or whatever, you know, it, it's it, probably not, but do you call and let people know that they're not alone? Do you call and let people know that, Hey, you know what? I've called a lot of people like you or, you know, today, cause this is the industry vertical I'm focusing on in my call list today, you know, and this is what people are doing. Do you take another step and say, look, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I call a bunch of people in this space all the time. I'm going to get everybody together on a virtual Zoom, kind of a, you know, round table, if you will. There's going to be 10 business owners just like you that don't compete with you. You're geographically separated or, you know, whatever. Um, But you guys can probably help each other. You guys should at least be introduced to one another because there's all kinds of trade secrets you can, you can share, you know can I get you guys all together? Is that valuable to you? Right now, all of a sudden you're a resource. You always want to be a resource 
to your customers. You always want to be a resource as a prospect or, or to your prospects, right? When you're prospecting, your prospects are answering two questions. They're asking two questions and they hope to have answers. Are you someone worth talking to? Do you have something worth talking about? Well, right now that's going to be different. And so can you think critically enough? Can you be empathetic enough to understand why you would be worth talking to right now and what is worth talking about? If you can think through that, you're going to make a lot of, you're going to make a a bigger impact and and you're going to extend your reputation as someone who is worth talking to. And then you're more likely to have your calls answered or returned, right? And, And that's, there's no script for this. Salespeople looking for a script, looking for a playbook, looking yeah. for a cookbook. We don't have a COVID-19 playbook. You well, got to think thing, on your feet. The thing that's funny that you're saying, and I love everything that you've said, by the way, is think about it like this, right? You know, when you're building a network, you help people. We help each other without any expectation because we know that we both are interested in helping each other. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's no expectation of I do this for you and then you're going to do this for me later. Right. So I almost don't even like this approach that you hear people talking about right now where it's like, hey, have those conversations now because then they'll think of you later. No, have the conversation now because your job is to prospect and sell. And in order to start conversations, you have to bring value and you have to lead with empathy. You should be doing that because that's the thing you should be doing. That is the right thing to do. That is what a good salesperson That is their duty. So don't do this with an expectation of something in return. Like in your motivation, it's, that's not the right motivation. It's going to come out in your tone. It's going to come out in the words that you say, it's not going to be authentic. Why don't you genuinely just say it? And this is the mindset you should be having anyways. How can I add, how can, in your words, how can I be worth talking to, to Jeff Mm -hmm. right now? How can I call Jeff and have him be like, whoa, Jason's thinking of me. He's thinking about how he can help me. He's not, he's not doing the quid pro quo kind of thing where I do this for you, you do this for me kind of, kind of bullshit, right? <laughs> I love how um, there's a couple of ways you can interpret the long game. And the, the, the long game in this way that you're talking about is, well, I'm going to be kind and empathetic now. So that yeah. later, you're essentially just extending the transaction, right? So that is not the long game. <clears throat> that is not the long game. And it reminds me of a uh, hangover where he's like, quid pro quo, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I can do the accent. Okay. I'm Asian. You can. Right? <laughs> the, um, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting and maybe, you know, it's interesting who ends up in your algorithms during times like this, but the, some yeah. of the, the stuff that I'm hearing is, you know, now's the time to play the long game. And I agree. Now's the time to play the long game. It's always been the time. time. Exactly. (laughs) It's never not been the time to play the long game. Uh, Uh, Like, you know, Hey, again, how do you present yourself? How do you build your reputation? What are you known as? What do you want to be known as? Are you reflecting that? Are you doing stuff on social media or online that your mom wouldn't be proud of? Are you doing something that your biggest customers wouldn't be proud of? What do people find when they look for you? And how do you carry yourself? And word travels fast. And it's, you know, this just, in, in times like this, you are, in some cases, you know, shaken to your core, which I'm not there. That's not, uh, I'm shaken a little bit. I'm, I'm shaken, not stirred, but I'm not shaken to my foundation, right? I think we're all, all um, taking stock of some things. But um, you, you, you're reminded of what, 
should be the most important things to you and you should act accordingly to that. And, you know, just trying to take advantage of this situation, trying to be opportunistic. That's, that's not good. It's not good for business. It's not good yeah. for your reputation. It's not good for people. It's not good for anything. We, you know, you get into sales to help people. If you get into sales to help people, if you, like Anthony says, it's sales is not something you do. Selling is not something you do to someone. It's something you do with someone for their benefit. And um, if you can approach it that way, then this will help filter out those who don't. Times like this allow for the best of the best to yeah. establish themselves and, and be and to remind everybody else why they are the best and the best. And um, this is not a time to change tactics so that you can be much more, uh, you know, take to, to take advantage of some short-term situations. This is, you know, like before we started recording today, it's like, this is the shit I should have been doing all along. Well, now yeah. this is exactly what I needed. This is the kick in the ass to move me forward and make sure I put the pedal to the metal on this. And, and now I know why you haven't taken my calls in the last two weeks. It's okay. <laughs> I think that <laughs> it's right now there are opportunities to be seized though. And the opportunity the right to way. seize right now, the right way is mindshare. Dude, yep. if you're in sales right now and you put in a 40 to 50 hour work week, let's say, you're mm. probably not doing as many, you're probably doing half or a third or a quarter of the amount of sales calls you normally do. And I bet you're probably not getting as many prospects um, in like actually taking um, like your cold call. So you got all this extra time. Why are you using this time to just reach out to more people that you can help and get conversations started with them and be helpful to them? Dude, it, now is the time if you're not investing in your content strategy to be posting on LinkedIn, to have a blog, to have a pot. Like now is the time to do it because people are hungry for it. So if you can, in my opinion, sprint like hard this next month or two, dude, you're going to... Gary Vee always talks about attention, the attention economy, right? Like where's the attention right now? Well, the mm -hmm. attention right now is that people working from home, sitting on their computer, hungry for content that will guide them on what to do during this time. That's what everyone is looking for. And I want to be one of those people that they think about. Yes. Um, and I think what people are responding to, I think there's a, 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 a more stringent filter on what they will respond to. So getting back to the point that we were just making about, um, you know, making sure that your fundamentals are there, making sure that your integrity is there, making sure you're doing things the right way, that you're doubling down on your current process, not just increasing the urgency of a bullshit process. The, the bullshit meters on the content are higher than ever because they can be. Um, I, I'm interested to, to get your take on this, and this is not something we've prepped for. But I'm telling people to call their customers, starting with their best customers and moving on down the line from there, because you want to make sure that people know that you're there to support them. You want to make sure that people know that you're, you're there thinking of them. They're the people who are willing to take your calls and willing to have those conversations and connect with. What does that do, in your opinion, if you take that approach to the SDR? How does an SDR take a similar approach to that? Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I'm glad you brought this up. That's step number one. When shit hits the fan, you talk to the people that have trusted you mm -hmm. up to this point. That's that's step number one. Um, one, it's 
people need uh, guidance, whatever your area of expertise is, they need guidance on what exactly to do. And if you don't know, that's okay. It's okay to say, we're scrambling right now to figure out the best thing to advise you on. And we care about not telling you to do the wrong thing right now. So by it's Monday right now, by Wednesday, I'm going to give you another call and we can set something up on the calendar. I want to guide you through this, right? So that's yeah. step number one. We did that with all of our clients. The Monday that all this stuff went down, that's the very mm-hmm. first thing that I did was I sent emails. And if I didn't hear back from someone, I called them. Mm-hmm. As an SDR, to answer your question, uh, in terms of how to have these conversations, I mean, those are the people that I would be going to and collaborating with your AEs. And your AEs, the ones that are actually running the demos, hopefully you've adjusted your demo at this point to be like, uh, if I was able to get away with an extremely product-centric demo where all we talk about features, uh, if I was able to get away with that, hopefully you've ditched that by now and you're actually looking at, hey, what is the actual thing? Uh, what I talked about on uh, a podcast today and what I've been really talking about is this teach, don't take mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's stronger than it's ever been. But you need to talk with your 80s and figure out like, what are you teaching prospects? Like, what can you actually teach a prospect right now? The best way to do that is to talk to your customers. So if nothing else, you need to talk to them and let them know that things are like crazy right now, but you got their back and you're thinking of them. And as you learn best practices about what to do, you're going to share it with them. You absolutely have to do that. So I'm going to highlight something that's probably, well, I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on this. When to, to, to further that, if I'm an SDR, I go to the AE and I say, Hey, can I talk to, as an SDR, can I talk to, can you facilitate some meetings for me with your best customers so that I can briefly interview them and get their take on how valuable we can be during times like this so that when I reach out to prospects, even for the first time, I can have my messaging right. Now, to me, that's what I would do because I always carried the full bag, right? I, I had to do my own prospecting. I had to do my own account management. I had to, okay. So like for me, that just makes sense. How many AEs out there do you think trust their SDRs enough to let them in front of their customers? Uh, I don't know. And if you don't trust your SDRs, you've got a bigger problem. We've got a bigger problem. You've got a much bigger problem. So right? teamwork is more important than it's, than it's ever been here. And, um, uh, this is a really interesting conversation because there's there are people that are probably from a sales standpoint feeling pretty helpless as to what being helpful even looks like. And that would be something to talk about because just like I saw someone on LinkedIn posted something, I won't mention their name or their company. They're like, oh yeah, we put together this great resource for how to do this stuff during uh, COVID-19. And I look at the link because I've been resharing. I have a page on our website now and a page on LinkedIn that's coronavirus resources, but it's uh, got a prospecting and selling slant to it. So anyone that's posted good stuff on sales and prospecting, I want to share it. Yeah. And especially examples of what a good resource looks like. Right. This resource had one link uh, about working from home and then one link about how to stay healthy. The work from home was like really generic. Hey, you should use Zoom. Uh, you should have a routine. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Like we already know all this stuff. So that's not helpful. Right. That's not helpful to your prospects, but that's a lot of what people do right now when they try to be helpful when they're selling is they share these really shitty blog posts that their company makes that's with like no duh, like Captain Obvious information, (laughs) right? Um, So being helpful really is, it's the stuff that 
we're both doing. It's putting stuff up on LinkedIn about your thoughts and the mindset and what your customers are doing right now. It's recording podcasts like this and sharing it. And if you're a rep, you can write a LinkedIn post. You can write yeah. a LinkedIn article and just, if nothing else, gather all the stuff that you see people posting that's helpful for you. Mm-hmm. And you can have a post that you reshare a bunch of times. Here's what's been the most helpful for me to dealing with coronavirus as a salesperson. You know, I did, just doing that is a good start. I, I did exactly that a week ago. I had a, a podcast, a Monday musing where I introduced yeah, I this acronym, right? And I said, and, and I just said, look, this is what you need to do. And um, I have compiled a lot of my friends posts and some other people who I trust. And I just kind of create, I said, look, this person's got a good thing to say. This person's got a good thing to say. This person has a good thing to say. I put them all in. And then I updated the blog um, to reflect all the links to those posts. And so now I've created this little resource and you know what, maybe people will find it. Maybe they won't, but you know what I did? I put it all there for the three people outside of you and me who need to see it and, and need to, calm down, slow down a little bit and, and, um, you know, just kind of take a deep breath and think about things. I did. I want to give you way more credit than that, man. I, I the pair thing I thought was really awesome and that's pause, assess, reflect, execute. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more people need to actually do that. And, uh, I want to shift the conversation real quick though, to make sure we have time for this. Cause one thing I think it's your show that we, <laughs> that we can talk <laughs> about that would be valuable for, for, for salespeople is both of us have sold through the last recession. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I bring up the recession because I just can't see how this doesn't put us into some sort of recession that's bigger than just the dictionary definition of having two down months in a row. I, I do think right. that there's going to be some turbulent times here in the next uh, year or two. Yep. But for sure. Can you tell me a little bit more about what was it like selling through the last recession? What, <laughs> what worked for you? What didn't work? Like what? <laughs> oh man. Uh, I remember that I'm going to start just cause I got to say it and I, I want to make sure we get to it. Um, it was summer 2009. I was a little over a year into my job and I had, you know, I was rookie of the year president's club. Like, like I came on, people were still trying to figure me out, but it was clear that I was having success. And, uh, we got to this point. It was really, really tense. And I live in Michigan. I sold into, um, orthopedic surgery and primarily elective stuff. So we have our down season because we have like four brilliant months here in Michigan where it's just outstanding and you don't want to you don't want to be laid up or inside for anything, right? Like the weather you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. The, the weather, the climate. I mean, it just it's a, it's and what to do outside. Like it's it's unbelievable. Um we can talk about that my ambassadorship for the state of Michigan later on. But the um elective surgeries go down during the summer. Um and then there was all the stuff in 09 about big companies potentially laying people off. And if you were missing work for any reason and they couldn't technically fire you or lay you off for being off on medical, but we, you know, and there was just all this uncertainty and we noticed that really around the country. And, um, so it was Friday before labor day. My uh, manager said, I need your forecast for September Friday before labor day. Labor Day is the first Monday in September for those who don't remember that, right? It's actually late this year because it's on the 8th. The, I said, I don't have, I, I, my customers aren't forecasting more than two weeks. You want me to forecast four? He said, Jeff, I need your number. What are you going to do this month? I said, um, do you want to know what 
I think I'm going to do, or do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? And he said, no, give me the real number. And I said, okay. So I gave him a real number. He says, that's not good enough. I said, do you want me to tell you what I think I'm going to do? Or do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? And this went back and forth for like three emails, right? I, I, and it, the beauty of it was that it was all in writing. And um, I said, just put me down for the quota that you picked out of thin air in January and I'll hold myself accountable to that. <laughs> oh, man. And that, I think, that I get a laugh out of it because I hit that number, by the way. I, I get a laugh out of that because it illustrated the lunacy and to my manager's credit at the time, he knew it was lunatic. He, he knew it was, it was lunacy as well, right? Like when, when you got people looking at each other saying, this is ridiculous what we're being asked to do, but we got to give them something anyway. Like it could get to that again. Um, but you go back to what makes you valuable? Why? To whom? How is it different from other people out there and just going out and doing everything you can to get that done? Focusing on what you can do, not on what you can't, not on how hard it is. Yeah, it's hard for everybody. Captain Obvious, right? Yeah, it's going to be really hard out there. Okay. And there's people who are scared. And so selling is a leadership position. And so you show with your... um your diligence, you show with your determination, you show with your, um, just your ability to remain steadfast and disciplined and being someone who can be counted on all the time. That goes a long way because what's a recession? It's uncertainty. And so if you can be something certain in times of uncertainty, people are going to be attracted to you. People are going to see that. They're going to notice that. They're going to refer you. I hit my number in 2009. I hit it by a lot. And I was on a very small group of people on that stage the following January to receive the awards again, because you stick to what you can do. You focus, you fill your pipeline, you make sure that you've got enough opportunities and you, you know, it's easy to just say, if you fill your pipeline with so many opportunities that, you know, even the lowest closing percentage still gets you there um, in a defined geographical territory, like I was right. there's only so many people you can call on. Um, there were only so many orthopedic surgeons, only so many hospitals, only so many surgeries being done. Um, there are still some things that have to work out in your favor, but you have to um, make sure that you're staying consistent because people in times of uncertainty look for people who are being consistent and leading with that discipline. I love that. The making the uncertain certain. I, I love that. As How, certain as you can, yeah. right? How are, I'm assuming you've dealt with some uncertainty yourself or some anxiety or fear or anything like that. And if so, how did you, how did you deal with the mental chatter? Because I read the news every morning right now, and I'm really trying to stay up to date on how this is impacting businesses. Most importantly, I'm trying to make sure I'm up to date on when I have conversations with people, I need to know how this is affecting their business. But what you're going to come across when you do that is this is going to be worse than the great depression and like all this other stuff. Ugh. It's like, everyone's guessing, uh, you know, no one knows what's going to happen just like in any other economic times, but how do you personally deal and, or how did you deal with the fact that I'm, I'm sure, like I said, you had some, some doubts or some chatter going on and something. How did you deal with that? 
Well, for me in 2009, it was pre-Twitter. Like I didn't get on Twitter until I think later that fall or maybe the year after. And even then I didn't really use Twitter for much. Um, I still don't understand Twitter. And I don't never totally really. It. I know it's, <laughs> I goof around with my friends on Twitter every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, golf Twitter is fun, but um, there isn't even that right now. Monitor your information diet. And my, the way I'm getting through it now is the same way I got through it before. Get a hold of people, connect with people, pick up the phone and call people, talk to people who are solving problems like yours. There's something very important to remember in these times. I've had some really good clients particularly impacted by this because their industries are particularly impacted by this. There are other industries. I talked to Christy Walters yesterday, my partner on the Y and the Buy. She is working 12-hour days. Yeah, they're not, crushing it right now. Not panicking, not putting out fires, but whoa, demands up because the people that they normally call on are also respond or are also responsible for responding to these kind of things too. They are stepping up in this time to to provide more value. So to me it's it's beneficial to know that there are some industries that are doing well. There are going to be more industries who actually thrive as a result. There are a lot more than you think actually that are doing yes. well. Dude, when so, I was like going through the re- last recession, I worked in a construction company, dude. Right. <laughs> a home improvement company that painted people's houses, something they could pretty easily do themselves over yeah. a couple of weeks by renting some equipment. Yeah, and, and so again, every time I've needed to maintain in times of turbulence, it's always been about, okay, what can we do? And if you are fortunate enough to be in a, a paradoxical state where you have too many things that you can be do or that you can be doing, right? That you're not quite sure which one to do, that's a way better place than, oh man, there's nothing. We're hosed, right? Like recognize your privilege in that regard that there are problems to solve. You're a salesperson. You're really good at what you do. Go do it for people because that's what they need. And sometimes I think what is um, more beneficial in that regard are not the facts and the figures that will come to you through the news outlets, but the ground truth and the stories that you will hear from other salespeople who are fighting the good fight just like you are. I was in outside sales like you were. Uh, I, I covered an entire state. I don't know if your territory was quite as big as mine, but I had I a lot of time. around the entire state with a bunch yeah. of salespeople. Well, I, was traveling around, <laughs> I was traveling around the state with, a, um, with my windshield. Right. Yeah. And, I, and, and so I had a lot of time in the car, put a lot of miles on the car and I had Michigan and I talked to my friend Jackie in Wisconsin and I talked to my friend Andy in Jacksonville, Florida. And I talked to my friend Dave in Baltimore and I talked to my friend Scott in Los Angeles and I talked to people all over the place who were fighting the same fight and were um, winning, losing, learning regardless. And we all got better together. And that was the point. It, it didn't matter what the news was saying. I wanted to know what the people in, who, in the scrum were dealing with. And the news outlets are, are reporting on bigger macro trends and things like that. I want something that's going to impact me. I want to tell me something good. What do you got for me? Tell me something yeah. good. What are you running into? What's working? What's not? And then we talk about it and we'd help each other. And the, the productive nature of the conversation was what fueled my fire, my attitude, my mindset to go out there and keep doing it. And uh, all politics are local. So what they were doing was different than what I was doing. 
And so I'd immediately get into thinking, well, can I do it that way? Sometimes it was yes, sometimes it was no, but now we're being creative and creativity has always fueled me. Yeah. I love that. One thing I've been talking about a lot right now is bandwagon bias. So it's just a different psychology oh. that's going on around a time like this. Interesting thing about bandwagon bias though, is you kind of think of it right now in negative group think, but it actually works in the opposite way too. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly filling up your calendar with people that are not only optimistic, but are actually experiencing success, because a lot of the salespeople I talk to right now are killing it. Like Christy, you know, I mean, they are just crushing right now mm-hmm. and they're hustling. You know, but filling up your head with that, you're going to create that bandwagon bias in a, in a more positive way. That's actually productive for you. Cause I think so much of it is mindset. I mean, the thing that we had in our company at that time, when I was selling in the house painting company was we couldn't use the economy as an excuse. We could talk about how to handle the objection, sure, but you could never say I didn't hit my appointment target or my sales target because of the economy. And that simple little thing, knowing that I need to be aware of an excuse that I'm making that is not legitimate because the econ- what is the economy anyways? I don't even really know what the economy is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's something that people say a lot, but what is the economy? So I love that though, man, what you said there. I, I think that's a really good, like actionable thing that people can do is dude, pick up the phone. Who do you know that's doing what you're doing right now that's seeing success? And if you don't have it in your personal network, get online, listen to podcasts, reach out to us after you listen yeah. to this. I mean, there's just, there's so many people that are dealing with this in a really good, positive way. You need to talk to those people. Yep. Um, I'm reachable. Um, and there's three or four people over the last week that have sent me LinkedIn messages and, and things. And um, since I'm not on airplanes right now, I've got a little more time, like call me. Let's, uh, you know, go back and forth with the message. I'm like, I don't want to respond to this is a heady question. Yeah. I don't want to respond to this in a LinkedIn message. Give me a call. What's Thursday at 10 look like? And because uh, now I have Thursday at 10, right? I mean, and, and it's not always going to be there, but um, I love interacting with salespeople and, and I thrive in that environment. Like, um, gosh, who was I talking to? Oh yeah. I went to a, I went to, <laughs> I worked this event for a client and I was, it was their kind of kickoff meeting it was earlier this year. And I said, you know, and I got in the day, the day before I had a keynote the next day. And, um, so I went to their social events and I hung out with them. Like, you're going to come to our, like our thing, our, our dinner. I was like, these are my people. Like, where else would I rather be right now? This is great. And as long as you're um, picking up the tab, I'm. Well, yeah, no. I mean, they bought me a couple of drinks and and a, you know a buffet dinner, and that was fine, yeah. and, and we had a good time. But it, it's you know it's stuff like that. I, I love the work that you do because you're in it every day, and you know your stuff, and it's it's really good. I mean, you're like on a really really short list of people that I trust for prospecting advice, and I hang on just about every word that you say. And the more you can get it out there to people, the more people will benefit from it. But you've always been super approachable, and I try to be approachable too because at the end of the day, this is a people business, and what we do helps other people help other people, and that's what it's about. So if I've got the bandwidth. And I do at the moment, it comes and goes, right? But if I've got the bandwidth, I'll answer my phone. And if I don't, you'll find another way that we can solve this problem. And uh, even if that means that there's 30 or 40 people that want to talk to me about the same thing, well, then I fire up a Zoom meeting and then we all get together and we talk about it. And it's yeah. like, there's, there's always a solution. And um, we're, you know, it's just a different way to have fun right now. No, I love it, man. Well, let's go ahead and and, end there before you take off. Where's the best place for people to follow you? You got to 
well, the why in the buy podcast, by the way, it's my favorite sales podcast. So definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast. I've been a guest on there along with tons of other greats like Mark Hunter and, and uh, Anthony Iannarino and all, you know, all the sales greats have been on the podcast, but uh, where, where can people check out your stuff? Um, jeffbajorek.com. Uh, just my first name, and my last name, my email address is really easy. Uh, JB at jeffbajorek.com. Um, and I respond, I, I still respond to every email. Um, I, that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. I mean, look, if Seth Godin can do it, then I can do it. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't say that about very many things, but when it comes to email, I can respond to emails. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing some fun stuff. I've got a lot of content. I'm working on another book that should be ready to publish by the end of this year. Um, I'm building an online community much like you are that is um, got some layers to it. And there's a free community that you can join and you'll have information there on the website. And um, I'm just, you know, look, I'm trying to figure it out like everybody else is. And, you know, my answer to, uh, you know, what do you tell my customers if I don't know what's going on? Or, you know, look, there's all this uncertainty. Um, I don't have all the answers, but you and I are smart and we can sit together, we can talk about it and we can come up with some solutions. That is a great response. And that is a great way to feel as if you do have some control, you do have some things that you can accomplish in times like this. So lean in, dig in, let's, let's, let's come up with some solutions. Always fun jamming with my man, Jeff. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I think the big thing that I took away is again, I mean, this is such an important prospecting lesson too, is instead of what can I sell, you know, what do my prospects need? What do the people that I help and care most about, what do they need from me right now? And figuring out how you can provide that. So focus on that. The next time you're making that cold call, sending that cold email, really think about what do my prospects need and how can I give that to them? Make sure to check out the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. One favor, please, is go ahead and leave a review on iTunes an honest review of what you thought about the show and tell someone else about the podcast. If you enjoyed this, uh, it really helps to increase the listenership, get those reviews so I can continue getting on great guests like Jeff and we'll see you next time.